0: Hey, it's Matt Pinfield, and you are listening to my great friend Bill Bailey on today's Boondoggle.
1: Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to this intro before the intro of our today's Boondoggle radio show. Uh, As you know, we're a veteran-owned and operated podcast, and this has been an incredibly therapeutic journey for me as a veteran that struggles with PTSD and anxiety, just getting out and talking to people. But uh, it does cost us some money, so if you feel so obliged to donate to our GoFundMe, we have a GoFundMe under Today's Boondoggle. We also have a Venmo at Today's Boondoggle that you can donate to. Uh, Our Anchor Sponsorship, at anchor.fm forward slash today's boondoggle any questions comments suggestions complaints you can email us at today's boondoggle at gmail.com and please follow us on our social media sites at today's boondoggle on Instagram Facebook Twitter all your uh, social media platforms as well as our YouTube channel our Rumble channel and our BitChute channel please follow subscribe Comment and download. And please consider checking out our sponsors. If you uh, support our sponsor Dream Nutrition, you can receive 10% off your order by using the promo code Boondog10 at checkout. So, Dream Nutrition, they're a veteran owned and operated company as well. So, please support them and receive 10% off using the promo code Boondog10. Thanks for your time and thanks for listening.
2: Genome!
0: Louder Than Life, September 21st through the 24th in Louisville with Fruit Fighters to all, Green Day gun, Tool to enemy, Avenged Sevenfold
2: key,
0: Godsmack Limp Bizkit Pantera, Queens of the Stone Age Weezer, Megadeth, Turnstile, and many more. Get your passes on sale now at LouderThanLifeFestival.com
2: or not hold on to
0: your seats grab your girls grab your beer what's going on it's Tommy Beck and you're listening to today's boondoggle. this is Mark Metcalf and you are listening to today's boondoggle with Bailey on Domain Cleveland
2: Radio you are listening to today's boondoggle with Bailey on Domain Cleveland Radio yes Kato Kalen listens to this all the time I am Monty Heath. So one Heath, and you are listening to today's Boondoggle. Hey, what's up? It's John from Skillet, and you are listening to today's Boondoggle on Domain Cleveland Radio.
3: what's going on everybody it's bill bailey with today's boondoggle and uh, real quick housekeeping note if you are watching us on youtube or rumble or BitChute or odyssey please hit that follow and subscribe button and if you are listening to us on spotify apple google uh your favorite podcast platform please hit that follow and subscribe button so we can continue to bring you conversations like the ones i'm about to bring you today we are uh Talking with Steven Richards of the band Taproot.
4: Oh, yeah. What's up? How you doing, man? Pretty good. Like we were just talking off air, you know, it's been kind of a crazy day. But, you know, I'm going to go meet the new kindergarten teacher later.
3: (laughs) (laughs) That's not a bad thing, though, you know. I mean, it's funny, though, when we look back at, like I said, when when you guys would come through and play uh, Peabody's back in the day, you probably didn't think you'd be, uh, you know, hitting parent-teacher conferences back then. But here we are. (laughs) Absolutely
4: not, let alone having half a Brady bunch.
3: <laughs> We're older and more responsible now, man. But you know. Yeah. Definitely older. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, you know, so usually when I have people on for the first time, speaking of uh, you know, going back to the
4: days of our youth, do you remember originally what you wanted to be when you grew up? Uh honestly it was always musician or hockey player, and that's the only two things I've ever done with my life, literally. nice and then when was it like uh that
3: you know music kind of caught your ear and and do you remember who were your early influences
4: uh yeah I mean around three or four I was already um my mom noticed that I wasn't just like air drumming or tapping you know like to the beat, not just to the beat, but she realized that I was kind of using my right hand, you know, she didn't know drums, but she noticed that, you know, my foot would move on the downbeats with the kick. And then, you know, my right hand would be keeping time. So she got me my first drum kit when I was like four or five. And so, uh, back in the day, it was kind of goofy because like right when MTV came on the air, um, I was... (laughs) going into my mom's wardrobe because obviously the clothes back then were kind of cheesy but i I put on like my mom's vest to look like billy idol dancing with himself or you know i put on some of her stuff just to look like duran duran so <laughs> that's
2: kind of the <laughs> stuff.
4: that's kind of the stuff that i got into when i was really really young
3: nice nice and, and then the, uh,
4: worst, the worst thing ever is my first concert ever was aha oh yeah Yes,
3: that, and that was uh, you know, uh, how, how did that come about? Let's talk about that a little bit.
4: <laughs> it was really weird because you know, back then it was a lot safer, so I just went with my cousins, we got dropped off, I was probably eight or something like that, and uh, we didn't know how concerts worked, and so we just sat through the whole aha set and they did a uh, encore, but you know, we didn't know when they left the stage that they were going to come back out, so we were like. <laughs> they didn't play the one song we know. So we like got up and started walking out and then, you know, as we're leaving, we hear, din, 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 din. we're like, what? <laughs> Turn back around and just watch from up top. but It was interesting. Nice. Yeah.
3: And then, um, like, you know, you, you mentioned, you know, how you got your first drum kit young. Cause, uh, mom noticed you're keeping on time and everything, but when was it that, uh, like singing and
4: performing, like really, uh, became something that you did? Uh, well, a lot of people don't realize, like, I mean, I was playing clubs and bars at the age of like 14. They'd have to sneak me in when I was a drummer. So I'd been drumming, you know, like my entire life. And so, um, Mike, our original guitarist and I, you know, we came up playing together, playing together. And a lot of people don't realize that the original version of Taproot is actually, uh, I was actually the drummer. We were kind of like an all star local Detroit Ann Arbor combo of people. We had our singer, his name was Dennis. He was in a project called 20 Dead Flower Children, which did okay. And they went out to LA and stuff.
2: And our bassist.
4: Yeah. Okay. And then our bassist moved to Chicago and started a pretty decent uh, sized band called Mad Hops. So that's when I got forced into singing, and by no means do I still consider myself a singer. At least people know my annoying voice, so at least I sound like myself, but um, I got forced into singing because at that time, uh, like 96, uh you know it was a lot easier to find a drummer than it was to find a singer so i kind of got forced into singing and uh that's when we met up with uh jared and phil we didn't have phil or have jared join the band until we played one show because we were doing all drum machine stuff we thought it'd be really cool to just have three guys rocking out with no drummer look kind of crazy but at the uh only show we did in that style i ended up going down to the orchestra pit where all the things were plugged in I was already wandering around, not being on stage, wanting to be out with people. And I mean, there was only, you know, 25 people in a big-ass theater. But uh, I went down and unplugged the drum machine, like, totally the way that I think. I just assume that when you plug the drum machine back in, it picks up where you left off. But then I basically, we had to restart the whole set. <laughs> <laughs>
2: so.
3: Nice. Yeah. Then, uh, like, uh, let's talk about, you know, like, uh the music scene uh in your area then you know you said you were playing with uh those guys that was and and it was and that was originally uh called you guys were called taproot back then too or when did taproot like come together
4: um no taproot like coming up um i honestly don't remember dennis uh who went to 20 dads uh original band name when we were playing with them um The only name that I really remember is Factory 81, and there was another band called Workhorse uh, that were really solid, and we'd trade shows back and forth. Um, But Taproot was uh, after our separate local bands came together with Dennis and Dan and Mike and myself that's when we started Taproot by Name. And so like everything that we show publicly right now is established in 1997. It was actually 1995 and 96. We never actually played a show. We just jammed, but I lived a little too far away for Dennis uh, to make the drive however many times. And then he also had the 20 dead thing on on his back burner. So, um, So it was back in 95 and it was kind of interesting because back then we were kind of, Obviously, at that time, corn was a huge, you know, game changer for most musicians, at least coming up. And so, we were kind of like a combination of corn meets Rage Against the Machine. That's kind of what we were going for back then.
3: Gotcha. And then, uh, <clears throat> when did you guys like officially become uh, Taproot?
4: That would have been in '97 when we started playing local shows and doing some crazy stuff um, locally. Uh, we kind of took over the, the local scene. We would trade shows to Detroit a little bit, but there was never much going on there. So we ended up making a scene in Ann Arbor, the place to be like all the local bands out of Detroit would want to come open for us in Ann Arbor. And the, uh, the place that we kind of changed overall, it's a, a local club eh, club called the Blind Pig, and it's a pretty well-known club, but at the time that we were coming up, it was kind of like the open mic hippie night you know we're a pretty big college town so you know it'd be like a lot of acoustic or spoken word or so when we asked if we could play a show they were like well you know just come in on a Tuesday we'll see how you do then we brought everyone that we knew and their families and sold it out and they were just like whoa okay that's the best Tuesday night we've ever had for sure and so then they started booking us and we'd headline once a month there and sell it out every time until I got us Kicked out and banned from the bar in 2000.
3: <laughs> OK, well, you know, can't leave with that cliffhanger there. Uh, right you what know, what ended up happening with that?
4: Uh, it was our first national tour and Papa Roach's first national tour. And that was all together like it was both of our first tour. So it was amazing. Um, and the tour started in Sacramento where they're from. And it ended up in Ann Arbor, which is where we're from. And so it was cool. And that they were headlining, you know, most of the tour because our record was just coming out and they already had Broken Home. <laughs> so,
2: yeah.
4: um, no, Last Resort, my bad. Um, so it was a great tour, great tour. Uh, we get to Ann Arbor and the local crew and just people around were kind of treating them not like they were headliners they were kind of not getting the stuff they needed and they weren't really getting much support and or you know help from the crew loading in and stuff like that so they were just kind of being mistreated in my opinion so on top of that starting the day off and continue going um i think you know one of the i don't know some of my friends downstairs were doing stuff that i wasn't really fond of and you know i was you know still getting slowly and slowly more inebriated and more inebriated and uh i think my girlfriend that time really pissed me off it was just the whole day it was just going downhill and by the time it was for me to go on stage i was just pissed off at the promoter pissed off at you know personal family and friends that were downstairs partaking in shit that i didn't like so uh just at some point on the stage, I barely remember, I know at one point I threw Mike off the stage with his guitar, but not like mean, but I just wanted him to like, kind of crowd surf. You know, I was already doing all that. I was out moshing while I'm singing and stuff like that. So I'm used to it, but I, I threw him off the stage, which he didn't like I pushed him so the crowd could catch him and stuff, but he didn't like that. Um, but I just started ranting and raving. Um, over the microphone, I, I think I said that the promoter could take my microphone and shove it up his urethra. <laughs> <laughs> um, back then, it was kind of crazy. Our uh, drummer, Jared, he's from a small town called Linden up near Flint. And it's kind of, you know, that small town pack of kids where it's, you know, they just all stick together. They all know each other. And a lot of them are roughhouses and tough kids. And then my girlfriend at the time and our future guitar or drum tech, uh, they're from a town called Monroe or Flat Rock, which is similar to Linden where it's just a bunch of tough, you know, close knit dudes. And so it was kind of funny because whenever our shows would happen, the pits would always be kind of these guys against those guys. And just based on everything that I was saying and them being kind of hard headed and, whatever it just it basically turned into a full-on riot like I, I played hockey with a guy that was on the SWAT team and they got the 411. one and uh, there was it just turned into a huge ball my cousin Mark uh, he's a big big dude but you know he's also the biggest teddy bear uh, that was his first fight and I could just see the smile on his face as he was just teeing off on of people <laughs> but <laughs> it went all the way to the outside and there were girls fighting guys fighting it was just a big mess so I get why we were kind of band and then full circle it was kind of funny when my wife and I got married uh eight years ago um downstairs which I was talking about where people that I didn't like partaking in certain things there's a ball or a bar called the eight ball and that's like the best dive bar in Ann Arbor you know it still has a jukebox and it's dirty it stinks you know it's it's a good element and so my wife and I we went after we got married um, we went there after you know and like it was just funny but uh, my wife knew the person that kind of ran the place and she was just giving me stink eye the whole time and so my wife was like yeah we should we should probably get out of (laughs) here so (laughs) it was funny (laughs) but my wife and I you know full garb you know she's in a dress I'm in the suit and we just go to a dive bar with our hats on backwards you know it it was pretty cool
3: nice nice
4: yeah, yeah. memories yeah <laughs> yep
3: but i mean i could see like you know you kind of you know when you're on the row with with people you kind of form like a camaraderie you know and i'm sure you had a good relationship with like jacoby and 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 you know i think dave was probably still in the band then buck uh, yeah you know and yep. and you know you guys form of friendship and then you come to your hometown and you're like probably stoked to like show them off and showcase them and they're getting treated like garbage so yeah yeah
4: of no, you're gonna- yeah no it was cool I mean I, I haven't really stayed in touch I know Jared has I've never been one of like I've never really been good at kind of you know I love I like talking to you I don't have a problem with and if it's something that we have in common I'm great but I, like I haven't stayed in touch with many of the performers that we've you know got the pleasure to play with just because I don't you know if it's not hockey or not my type of me I don't really know how to hold a conversation like yeah. on tour with Papa Roach it was great we could I could talk to Kobe all day every day but you know if I saw him right now it'd just be like "Well, I'm glad you guys are still killing it we're trying to get back out there but what do we talk about <laughs> now <laughs> I don't have any yeah. face tattoos I can't afford it
3: <laughs> there's um now I mean I know this question's been asked before but like what was the inspiration for uh for you guys picking picking the
4: name Taproot? uh it was one of the things that mike uh rightfully so to his credit which he would claim about everything um he came across the word in a what you might call it thesaurus whatever you're looking through not the dictionary but a thesaurus and for some reason it just caught his name because we both agreed on like you know even though we grew up with metallica megadeth slayer And we knew we were, you know, kind of a heavy type of band. We didn't want something to just be straight up like, you know, stick us in the mud where we have to like kind of just do the same thing nonstop. So Taproot seemed vague enough um, word wise to him and to me growing up with my crazy dad and the stuff that he studied when I was young. um, I know that the Native Americans use the word Taproot for like soul and spirit. So to me, it was perfect.
3: Awesome. Yeah. And what speaks to the soul and spirit more than music, you know,
4: a lot of right. times. for sure.
3: And then, um, so, I mean, you guys been, you know, uh, I think, what was it? Your last uh, release was back in 2012. The episodes,
2: mm-hmm.
3: what what's motivated, you know, uh, coming back together and putting
4: out new music? uh well honestly the new record i wrote in 2012 uh, right after the episodes i wrote it to be the next taproot record before um all of us couldn't really continue moving forward with one of our band members so i ended up stepping up for the guys and just saying you know i needed a break so i was going to take a break um and while i took a break <laughs> You know i had to get a real gig and i had to take care of my mom before she passed away and it was kind of like when she passed away i was just like oh what am i going to do what am i going to do so i was like you know what i should i i did the record it took six years because i could only work you know four or five hours a week on one of my days off um so it took me forever to do all this stuff um but i i finally did it um I was just gonna release it on my own and not even like make it a release, just kind of post like, hey, you know, two or 3,000 followers, like if you wanna hear the stuff that was supposed to be the next Tapper record, here it is, you know, if you wanna get it, check it out. Um, But Phil was the one kind of noticing that it was winding down and he was like, well, no offense, But you wrote this to be Taproot's next record, and, you know, I don't think kind of just throwing it out your butt would be really all that great for the band's tradition and namesake. So he kind of convinced me into making it like a full-on release and, you know we've had some shows here and there, maybe like three shows over the last 10 years or something, which has been great and awesome. Um, But he was the one that kind of just got me full, full on. So now it's a full record, full release, and we're doing lots of show dates the rest of this year. And hopefully people dig it. Like everyone that hears some of the new stuff is kind of blown away, especially knowing like, now that we have Taylor on guitar, he's like, oh, I get it now. Cause a lot of people don't realize that I wrote most of the stuff or most of the stuff you like. Um, So like even he is an amazing guitarist and I have to teach him certain things to play a certain way because I write guitar like a drummer. So my right hand strumming is very different. You know, it's not just up down, but there's a lot of like hammer-ons and, you know, rhythmic stuff like twos and then off. I don't know. It's hard to explain, but it's it's pretty cool getting so many compliments and rewarding. Not that that's what I'm looking for, um, but that the new record stands out and people are like, oh, OK, I get it. I'm like, yeah, because a lot of people are like, how can it be Taproot without so-and-so involved? And people are like, oh, <laughs> yeah, this is Taproot. I gotcha. That's kind of fulfilling uh, yeah. after some of the stuff that's been said.
3: Yeah. And then, uh, you know, I saw you guys recently released the the best of uh, besides. Is that, uh, you know, kind of like because of the hiatus, just like throwing this out there, like, hey, remember us? Here we are to get maybe. ready for this release.
4: Kind of. I mean, Jared's the one that released it maybe a year and a half, two years ago. And he released the whole thing that was like 80 songs it was like eight discs or something crazy like that and that was just for him kind of being like you know what no one's ever heard this why not just humiliate ourselves and put it all out there because <laughs> most of it's like recordings of me in my basement and you know And the drums have four microphones on them and you know just scratch vocals like trying to write the material so i'm pretty sure even on the back it's got like crap version crappier version decent you know they all have like <laughs> decent take you know demo but really bad version like that's it says that next to all the songs so that's kind of funny but then uh yeah phil phil is working with tom about uh, our new manager um releasing like a skateboard deck which we've done and they're awesome um but he's also the one that wanted to do the mastered version of the best of the Beside songs, so it's pretty cool i don't think that was like a huge like huge like hey we're back type of thing but it was a good way to start promoting that we do have some new stuff coming out
3: yeah, yeah. You keep the name fresh, you know, but uh, let's talk about this, this, uh, this latest album that's uh, getting ready to drop. It's your seventh one. Now, uh, I'm assuming it's Scissors, right? That's how you pronounce it. Yeah. Right. But uh, like, what was the inspiration behind that name?
4: Um, I chose it a while ago it's like a you know growing up a hockey player you know lots of people come up with nicknames around you know usually your last name you know or you know and my initials are ssr so it was kind of one of my one of my many nicknames was scissors um growing up um but then just in my dumb the way i think you know i wanted it to spell kind of like the lesbian Sex act. <laughs> so, um, it's weird how it turned out because, you know, just as a joke, I was calling myself, myself, the sci fi lesbian. <laughs> so that's why it's the SCI. Um, but the way it ended up turning out is, you know, we turned the I into the backslash, which is kind of cool uh, just because of the way that I took the initial photo for my promotions even when it was just me alone um, but that now replaces the letter i since it's even though it's taproot it's kind of my my beast so it's kind of the i so it's lesbian act with the i in the middle and my initials and just a cool name
3: <laughs> well good
4: i'm glad i asked that question so we
3: get that that explanation <laughs> yeah that <laughs> in the Lesbian Act,
4: right the uh that was the thing too is that The the Taproot thing did come to fruition, which is amazing and great, but I was just going to release it, like, you know, make my new stage name Scissors. So I I suppose unless we write Taproot records together or I write stuff to be Taproot in the future, I'm probably just going to go off and just go by Scissors.
3: Uh, Okay. So, yeah, just so you have that established as a, you know, your creative uh, stamp.
4: Yeah. I mean, not to be like Prince or anything, but, you know, not just, hey, Steve originally from tap re- releasing a couple songs here No, it's it's scissors now
3: <laughs> the artist formerly known as lesbian act all right
4: yeah well i identify as a lesbian so
3: <laughs> yeah i think me too yeah but, I, uh, love, I love china part of that me too movement right there sure enough. all right um and then uh before i get us canceled um that's <laughs> no, a good thing I, yeah, yeah exactly you know it gets us uh you know whatever it no uh no or bad publicity is any kind of publicity is good publicity right
4: all right no, i'm not, I'm, not, I'm not mocking anything whatsoever i'm just giving myself credit for liking vagina so yeah. <laughs> I'm, yeah i'm pro i'm pro that not anti anything honestly
3: yeah i just had uh uh stormy maya on on the podcast and we did a lot of talking about her vagina and vagina in general so it was, uh, yeah it was qu- quite an interview yeah uh, you have to check it out
4: <laughs> i will I absolutely will
3: but um, now, um, talking about you know some of the the uh, you know promotion for the new album, I saw that uh, you know you got a single at uh, I don't I didn't see it yet that it's dropped. It's getting ready to favorite song.
4: Yep. Yeah, working yep. with
3: uh, Elias from uh, Nonpoint on it. Yeah, talk about how that came together and that relationship.
4: Uh, sure, I mean that was pretty much in my head, the go-to, you know, back when I wrote that 10 years ago, whatever, like that was my kind of, you know, when poem came out, it was clearly, you know, the single and that's what I wrote it to be. And then over the years, it was kind of just, you know, back up, let the guys do a little bit more and stuff. But uh when I wrote that song, it was basically the, you know, like, okay, here, here's a hit song for you. Like, we need it. So that's what I wrote it to be. Now it's harder to get play on radio, so I don't think it'll take off as much as it could have back then. Um, But hopefully it gets some traction. Um, The song itself, I think, is really cool. I mean, it's literally called Favorite Song um, because I think everyone in the world can probably relate to singing along with their favorite songs but not exactly knowing every word but you still keep kind of going singing along with it even if you don't know the right words and so that's what the song is about is I don't even know the lyrics to my favorite song but every time I seem to sing along that's the chorus um, so that's cool and the Elias thing um I was I don't know. I was kind of putting feelers out to see what I thought might make sense. Um, and so even just like joking on my Instagram lives, I'm like, you know, who would you want to have guests appear? Who would you want to have guests appear? And I mean, Elias was on my you know list of maybe like three people, but the most uh, common answer from my followers was Elias. And so I'm like, all right, absolutely. Cause you know, we played many shows together we know each other pretty well and they're still out there kicking butt. So that was a pretty easy reach out to do. And, uh, he was more than happy to do it and he nailed it. I mean, his part, even my, you know, when we had it a year ago, my five-year-old even sings most of the part. And, you know, that's new to her. She's heard my demos of it for, you know, four years. She's been singing that since she was three. <laughs> but That's how long I've been working on this.
3: Well, yeah. Um, uh, you know, I just saw Elias on the uh, psychotherapy sessions tour with, with Mudvayne and the Nonpoint yeah. guys and uh, had had him on the podcast uh, nice, uh, recently as well. And, uh, you know, it, another another great conversation I had because it's always like, you know, we talk a lot about the music, but then I always find the things that we connect on. And, you know, him being another, you know, a dad as well. We right. connected on that. And, you yeah. know, uh, I guess, you know, he shares that he homeschools his kids and everything which I thought was really cool and admirable and yeah. you know I always like connecting on uh like I'm not a musician I'm a music fan but mm-hmm. I always try and find something that I connect with 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 the people I have on so yeah. always good to talk to the fellow dads out there and see you know how things are going on your end I, I raised two two daughters uh you know pretty much you know was a single dad after my last uh deployment in 2008 and oh, wow. you know went, went through the whole like uh you know, they hated me for a while and now it's like I'm, I'm, I'm their best friend, you know? So
4: good. Good. Uh, beautiful well, thing, man. Thank you for your service. I know it doesn't mean much to most people from a civilian, but I am very grateful. So thank you.
3: I uh, appreciate it, man. And then, um, you know, I did check out the, the, the track that you guys have on, on, uh, YouTube right now. Uh, no one else to blame. Um, Ooh, you wanna, let, me cut
4: you, let me cut you off real quick. It's going to be uh, our next show is the taste of Madison in Wisconsin. And we're playing with Nonpoint. So as of now, that's going to be the only performance where Elias is going to be able to come out and sing favorite song with us. So <laughs> that's next weekend. So I'm excited about that.
3: Nice. Nice. That's yeah. Good. I'm sure that'll be floating around on YouTube too. After that. So Hopefully, check yeah. It
4: out. Yeah. So we're playing with Nonpoint. That's going to be a good flashback and he'll come out and help us have a great song hopefully
3: (laughs) and then uh back to that no one else to blame track uh like what was the uh you know the message or whatever did you have a message or inspiration when writing that song
4: i did um that one it's funny because i don't really read too much of what people are saying you know i i know there's people that support it and people that hate it like the the one thing that i read was you know people saying like oh i hate the sample the kids at the beginning and how it runs through the song and like i totally understand and appreciate that you know i'm not much of a fan of backtracks and stuff but the song um you know i can just picture a bunch of younger kids playing like soccer it's like a soccer chant and having fun outside together that type of thing and the song is more about like teenage bullying stuff and so i thought it'd be kind of cool to have like a happy sounding childhood underneath lyrics that are kind of talking about you know how negative uh you know bullying can be online as well as you know like the social media and stuff how it makes people think and so yeah. it's the topic kind of meshed with the the positivity with the negativity i thought it was kind of cool so
3: yeah, man, and you know, like going back to to dad mode, you know, it's like I remember, you know, uh, like when I grew up, and I'm I'm sure I'm you know I'm much older than you, but you know, I mean, but I'm you know there wasn't no social media and stuff like that when we were in school, you know, so it's just like <laughs> you, you you dealt with bullying at school, but you had somewhere you could go, and you know, you had. A, place you can go and kind of tune it out for a little bit at least till you had to go to school the next day and you finally handled it you know yeah but but uh you know our kids today it's just like you know it's like there's no escape man with social media and everything and everybody's even more like rude and crude because they just have no filter you know yeah Uh, using social media and then you know having daughters it's like even seems like so much tougher because it's like, it's all about image and all about, you know, yeah. uh, whatever with them. So it's like having that, that talk with them while they're young or, you know, my youngest is in jujitsu and stuff with me. So it's like, all right, I know she's, you know, can That's- handle herself, but you know, she, they, they've been through it, you know, it's like the, the schools are different now. I remember when, when my, uh, one daughter got in a fight in school cause she was getting bullied and, and she fought back. So she got suspended Good. I get called into the office, you know, and they're like, well, you know, we're going to def- we're going to, um, you know, uh, your daughter's getting suspended, too, because she fought back. And I looked at my daughter and I say, hey, I'm proud of you. You got no- nothing to worry about with yeah. me. Mm-hmm. And then their, their jaws drop. It's like, what do you think I'm going to raise victims here? You know?
4: Yeah. No, I'm with you. No, I'm, I'm totally down. I picture the same thing. You know, I've got one that's, you know, just about 13 going on 22. Um, but, you know, she has the whole. Up, down, left, right, you know, and I've made it known, you know, that she's seeing people fight and stuff. But, you know, if she gets in a fight, as long as she's not picking on someone smaller than her or whatever, you know, because she seems to defend her friends when they're getting picked on. So I think she could end up being a target, but I'm like, hey, (laughs) do what you got to do. Like, you know, I will never be mad if you stand up for yourself or your friends. Like, you're good to go. So don't worry about that.
3: Yeah. And I try making it clear to my girls too. It's just like, you know, uh, because I have one that's, very you know outgoing and talkative and the other one would keep a lot of stuff bottled up and you know she's the one that's now in jujitsu so she's like been coming out of her shell and stuff which has been amazing but just uh you know hey you can always come talk to me you know don't like you know whatever you're dealing with whatever you got going on you can talk to me about everything I try and you know it took a lot of work on my end you know to be more available or or whatever you know because it's like I was raised by a World War II Marine and and the way I was brought up is not, uh, you know, it doesn't really work with, with girls in general, you know, right. so it's like I had to learn that they, they've taught me how to be a better man and, and stuff yeah. like that, you know, but yeah,
4: that's, awesome. Um,
3: it's quite a, it's
4: weird too. Cause I'm actually thinking about wife's not excited about it, but I want to get my six year old daughter into jujitsu too. Um, not just so she can defend herself or, you know, choke people out when she gets older, but, um, She's not the most coordinated athletic type of kid. I took her to try soccer out and she didn't even get the fundamentals of like, you know, they're on your team, you pass the ball. She just wants to kick it. And half the time she'd kick it, she'd kick the top and almost fall over. And I'm like, oh, God. Yeah. I haven't taken, you know, with the whole COVID thing where we're really far behind on, you know, where she's at socially and stuff. So I think jujitsu would be kind of a fun way to get out there, do something athletic and then also, you know, have some skills. And, you know, obviously there's a lot of whatchamacallit behind it? Uh, it starts with the D word, but I can't think of it. Discipline.
3: Discipline. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it's been amazing for my daughter. And it's like, it's been great for, for myself as well, you know, yeah. um, and uh, we were actually in Ann Arbor. She competed at, like, a Fuji competition up there, like, uh, I think right at right after COVID, when things started slowly opening back up again. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But uh, next time I make it out that way, I'll try and uh, check out the, the scene of your uh, big uh, Papa Roach riot, you know?
4: No, oh, fair <laughs> enough. Yeah, go to the Blind Pig. Check it out. <laughs> That's the crazy thing is, like, after we turned it into that, it became, you know, like, lots of national... Ax would start playing there until Machine Shop took off. Now everyone wants to play Machine Shop in Flint, which is the best, you know. Yeah, part venue, yeah. So that yeah. took over, and
3: then um, like what uh, I I read that you know, well I mean, and as you've explained, this whole album has pretty much been you since 2012 putting it together, but. How long have you been like, uh, you know, doing production and, you know, that the process of producing had you, is that something that, you know, you enjoy doing?
4: Yeah. I mean, for this album, it wasn't really, you know, production. It was just me writing the songs and then finally getting into the studio. And luckily Tim Paddle and the guy that produced our last two, three records, two records, three, whatever it is, um, out in Saline, Michigan, he runs a studio called The Loft. Um, he's always just been really cool and he just let me go out there whenever I wanted to, to try to just record some stuff. Like I said, it took six years because I was doing everything on my own. Um, and spoiler alert, even though I am a drummer and I did do all the demos on drums when I was out living in Las Vegas, um, I did program the drums. <laughs> so the drums are drum machine quality. Um, but it was kind of cool cause I took in my demos, which again, only had, you know, like four microphones on an entire drum kit. <laughs> and so I flew them into the, uh, the program and then I just mocked, uh, the stuff that I was playing. So at least I know I was playing it and I've shown videos of people just so, like me playing the more difficult stuff and teaching Jared some of the new stuff that he's kind of not up to par with, doesn't know yet. So, you know, I have to show him how to do it, but, uh. It's pretty funny because I make fun of uh you know, not only is it like perfect sound, however you want it to sound, you can make it sound, but it's also like a lot better of a performance. I'm kind of a, a loose drummer, <laughs> cool parts, but very loose. So at least it, it's on the grid and it makes it sound a little heavier because the first half of this record's really heavy. Gotcha.
3: And then uh, like, you know, you mentioned uh Jared, like what was it, Uh, you know, being your original drummer of the band, uh, how is it getting back together and bringing him back into the fold Or,
4: Oh, it's it's awesome. Um, he played one or two of the shows that we've done randomly over the last 10 years, whatever I said. Um, but now he's literally. I got in trouble for saying this the other night, but he's literally the nicest and probably best at heart person you'll ever meet. Like he is such a sweetheart. And on top of that, he has the most infectious laugh whatsoever. And he loves my terrible, dry, sarcastic sense of humor. So I've got to ride. I'm Basically, I'm his carmate when we go to these shows. It's him and I drive in one of the vans. And uh, I just spend the whole time just making him laugh with terrible jokes. And, you know, we'll just be both like last time we got to the hotel in Wisconsin. Um, we, couldn't get out of the van for like two or three minutes. Cause we were both, you know, like crying, laughing. He was complaining, his stomach hurt. I think I was kind of clenching my unit. So I didn't pee my pants. <laughs> <So, laughs> you no, know, having him back is amazing. And it's obviously a throwback to kind of the way that it was. Um, and you know, he just, it's like riding a bike for him. He just comes back in except for not knowing the brand new songs and he's picking those up quick. So it's, it's great.
3: Nice. Nice. And then, um, <clears throat> I see you've been giving like fans, like some, uh, um, updates and, you know, a taste of what's to come and everything with their, uh, taproot Tuesday podcast. Uh, how'd that uh, come to be for
4: you? (laughs) I don't know. I know Phil and Tom are manager guy. They still doing that. And I, I'm not that big of a Facebook guy. I'm more of an Instagram guy and I'm not really either. I just use them to post band stuff or my six year old. She's adorable. Um, So I I didn't even know they were doing that for a while until Tom like sent a link saying like Hey if you want to show up tonight it's gonna to be a good one I'm like Show up to what <laughs> He's like Oh Tepper Tuesday we do it every Tuesday you
2: know, just Get on it
4: Tom um, So I got on it and the the few I, they never remind me <laughs> So I think I've only done three maybe four out of the last ten weeks that I know out of um, But at least I got they we had a Elias on one of them so that was really cool to kind of be a part of that one just to go back and forth and make jokes and talk about the song whatever that's cool I'll have to go back and
3: check that out but uh yeah they better remind you that Tuesday comes after Monday and before Wednesday you know so you can
4: tune in (laughs) it'll be a little easier now um I ended up quitting my my professional job I quit so we could do this run of shows so I'm kind of hoping it. Works out pretty well because it's come the end of December. As of now, I'm unemployed, so I'm trying to make sure that at least I stow away a little bit of money that I make at least so I can pay the car and the insurance.
3: <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you guys do got um, – I see you're you you're, you're going to be playing the the Blue Ridge Rock Fest, which is a huge, huge festival. So it would be almost like getting back on the Oz Fest, you know, days, I guess, for you guys, except for it's one weekend, but still. Right. Know? Yeah. A lot of good networking and exposure there. Um, you know uh, how did that come to be for you guys?
4: It's weird because over the last couple of years, Phil, um, he's still been the business guy. Um, I don't know if, you know, he'd be the ones like, Oh, it's our 20th reunion for this. You know, do you want to play a show? Sure. Why not? So he'll call Kevin in you know, machine shop, one of the best promoters and coolest dudes ever too. Um, so Phil's been that guy. He's, I didn't realize that when COVID was going on, but I didn't realize they were starting like Blue Ridge, they booked almost a year out. And a year before that, Phil was like, Hey, do you wanna play this show in Vegas? And it's in May. And I think he was asking me and say like February or March, you know. So we were like, Oh God, we only have like two months to get ready for this. I don't think we'd be ready. And I was like, No, I don't think we can do that. And he's like, Okay. But he met for like 2023 it was the show that just happened in vegas and he was submitted that last year <laughs> So it's kind of like oh i didn't know stuff was being booked out that far ahead so i could have said yes um but the blue ridge i think that just fell on phil's lap um it it's kind of odd how it's that full circle kind of with fashion you know how stuff comes and goes but then it comes full around again and it's kind of interesting to see not just us um, but it seems like prime time for a lot of bands of our time period, as well as our style of music and whatever. So it's kind of a good time to at least get back out there and play for our, you know, we haven't played for our fans in a while. And they're getting to see all their favorite bands around the same time, you know, coming back out and doing shows together as well as the new stuff. So it's uh, it's pretty cool.
3: Yeah, it was cool to see uh cold chamber back out, you know, uh, yeah. they played at the incarceration festival here. In yeah. Ohio. And then, um, you know, then they're on that tour with with Nonpoint with yeah. uh, um, Mudvayne, who, you know, just recently got back together, too. So it's like a lot of the old uh, stuff that, you know, yeah. I would hit back in the day is coming back. So I'm definitely looking forward to to hearing a poem live again, though. Uh, you guys are, are supposed to hit my neck of the woods in October at the Winchester, right uh, October 21st. I think you guys are going to be with September morning and my good friends at Brothers at Arms are going to be like local support for you guys. Yeah. So
4: it's cool. Yeah. Uh,
3: looking forward to forward to that. And then, uh, you know, connecting with you and sharing some dad jokes. You know.
4: <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> so I guess uh, when you see us play Poem Live again, I'll be 46 by a week. <laughs> All right. All right. Uh, I'm 50, so, you know. Okay. Well, we still would have gone to high school together. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
3: That's crazy. But, uh, yeah, man, I'm definitely looking forward to that. And then uh, hopefully, uh, you know, I can hear Jared's laugh at some point, you know. I'll Um, get
4: get it for you.
3: We'll make sure that happens. Oh, yeah. But uh, with uh, the, uh, you know, coming back and playing playing out, what's been – you know, one of your favorite, obviously, you know, poems a, a you know a big hit brings back a lot of memories. But what's been one of your favorite songs to play live? Uh, off some of the, have you played some of the new stuff?
4: We have played the new stuff, and that's kind of been a train wreck so far, <laughs> just because we literally we rehearsed two days in a row, two weeks before the first two shows, then we had two weeks until the last two shows. And then now we have two weeks until Taste of Madison. So we've only rehearsed twice and then played the shows together, you know, tried a couple during sound checks when we had them. Um, But I think favorite song will be Nailed uh, for Taste uh, with Elias. And that's going to be a shorter set because obviously it's a bigger festival, so it's not us headlining. So I don't think we're going to play all three of the new songs that people might know. Um, But getting out on stage for me, it's always just, seeing the familiar faces and even the ones that aren't familiar if they're having you know a good time that's kind of the the best part or looking back at jared after i make bad jokes on stage i'll just be dying <laughs> too. um but you know it's also in my wheelhouse that i have a hard time just standing on stage you know like there's only so much i can do to feel like i'm entertaining people so I've been getting back out, and you know, there's shows that there shouldn't be mosh pits, and I just start moshing, and everyone just starts going crazy, like <laughs> they, they love it. You know, I've been jumping off of fire escapes and doing stuff that no one expects. You know, because nowadays people are just at shows with their cameras, you know, not really participating like we used to do. So I kind of make them.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, the show is here. Not you know, don't look at it through a screen. Look at it with your eyes while you scroll. Actually, the camera.
4: This this hat that I have on right now. I left the stage at the last show and I was just wandering around with my wireless mic and I was like taking people's hats and exchanging them I don't know who got my hat I miss my hat but you know I was just doing like musical chairs everyone's like what is this guy doing they notice I have a microphone I'm at the other stage trying to line up this you know my lyrics to the song but that was just that's me I'm goofy because you know it it's not a hundred percent taproot fans at the big festival. So I like doing stuff to at least grab their attention, not just have them sit there like,
2: eh, they were okay,
4: whatever, you know, if we were just okay, whatever, but at least you'll be talking about us to whoever. Yeah, No,
3: exactly. Leave them with, with a, with a memory when they, you know, go home that there's something that they'll be talking about, you
4: know, not my cup of tea, but man, this guy did that. (laughs) Yeah.
3: Yeah. Damn it. That was my favorite hat.
2: Right. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. But, uh,
3: so, you know, before we get ready and wrap up, um, I want to ask you some of the questions that I normally ask guests that I have on. Um, Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah. who, are, who are your top three musical artists?
4: Like of all time? Yeah. Holy cow. Um, top three. Well, I think obviously Alice and Chains would have to be one because uh, that's Dirt is the album that I taught myself how to play guitar to. Like, I'm self-taught everything. Like, so I self-taught my guitar to Allison Chains' Dirt, um, which is still kind of funny because when I talk about my favorite song being favorite song, not knowing the lyrics and singing along, I still sing along with Dirt songs, and I don't know the words to all my favorite, you know, it's one of my favorite records. (laughs) So... I don't know. So Allison Chains, for sure. Obviously, I think he was a game changer vocally for a lot of people, too. Um, And I was this close to actually hopefully getting him on our our record before he passed away. That's another cool story is his mom asked Toby and even in the the autobiography or whatever it's called about his life, um, the only cd that he had in his apartment was ours and so his mom asked toby our producer toby Wright, you know so who's this taproot band and so it was like kind of cool like at least you know he had that so that's a cool just thing to know that you know at least he was planning on doing something um so all right that was a long dumb story i'm sorry so
3: no Elf- it was good stuff
4: man yeah. else in chains um God, I mean, there's so many, like, growing up as a drummer, there were so many. Um, Like Slayer, but I wouldn't say they're, like, my favorite band. <laughs> but playing drums to Slayer, when I was skipping school in junior high, you could hear my drums at the school, so everyone knew when I was skipping school if they heard drums. <laughs> but uh, I think Allison Chains, because I taught myself guitar, I will say Slayer just because that's who I drum to most, like, you know, during the up-and-coming, because I was a pretty – with a drummer. I'm a very double kick type of drummer. And uh, I think playing with Slayer was intricate part of my life. Um, and then I'd have to say that probably, even though I like the Deftones overall better, I'd have to give Corn uh, for kind of changing the way that our scene of music went. Um, you know, I, they kind of created the whole new metal thing just by down tuning and dressing a little different. so I think that was huge for um, me, especially since they came to a different club, that uh, club in Ann Arbor, I faked my ID for it to get in. It worked for the show, but Jonathan was sick, so they didn't end up playing. So I didn't get to see Corn the night they played in Ann Arbor, but because I faked my own ID and did it well enough I started going to deja vu the titty bar under eight. <laughs> Spent half of my later teenage years there.
3: <laughs> so thank corn for that motivation to fake your ID. Uh, yep. Yep.
4: I had a friend. Yeah, I had a friend that worked at you know, like the local, like smaller movie theater who was like going through the lost and founds, you know, with IDs like, no, no, no. So back then we had like the paper IDs, um, like when you're waiting to get your license. Yeah. So I erased the seven from my birth year. And it was like back when they printed and it was like all dotty from the printer, you know, from the printer. So I ended up just like changing the seven to a six and it looked close enough. And so uh, with that and my even though I didn't graduate on time and I made the Eastern Michigan Hockey Club, I had an ID that I was going to Eastern because I didn't know that I didn't graduate high school on time yet so i had my eastern id and my fake fake uh driver's license and so they'd let me go in. and once i got in i knew everyone at the bar or at the club so because i was back so often so that was kind of cool so thank you corn for changing music and uh getting me into the the titty bars underage
3: awesome and then uh we've talked a little bit about you know uh school but uh what would you say would be your um you know, what class do you feel should be mandatory before graduating high school today?
4: Uh, mandatory, I'd say, shit, I'd say all of them. But I mean, how can you not say math or science? You know, I, I guess. I guess all the core classes should be mandatory, but I don't like reading. And you can also write a bunch of BS. I mean, you can read online, whether it's true or not true. So, yeah. I'm not as worried about English. I think math is obviously very important, but uh, I'm also a pretty big guy about learning how stuff works. So even though I wasn't good at school, I think science is probably the most important to me.
3: Gotcha. And then who are three people who've inspired you and you can credit for making you the person you are today?
4: Uh, Number one would be Howard Stern, for sure. I grew up uh, coming across his stuff real young age like when I was visiting my grandparents in Chicago I'd hear him and I was probably you know like 11 12 (laughs) something like that um he's basically I call him my dad growing up because my you know I grew up an only child with a single mom um so he was like kind of the father figure that I looked up to and kind of I already had that type of sense of humor you know I didn't mind you know I don't he He's never been what people think he is. He just makes bad jokes, you know, but he's never been a chauvinist or anti-women or anything like that. He just makes terrible jokes. And he got out of hand now, serious, but it's really cool for how important he's been a part of my life. I've got to be so close to him in so many ways. I did get to meet him. He was at our show in New York when we played with Lincoln Park. So getting to meet him was awesome. But before getting to meet him, I'd been in both of his New York studios, Um, I'd leave notes (laughs) and then, you know, so I got to see both of the studios. Um, The day that Howard went to Sirius, he had his last performance on terrestrial radio at K-Rock. It was his last one. And then he went from that to Sirius to do like a welcome party. And uh, we were on tour with Stained and Stained played the acoustic Whatever song for the goodbye um, on K Rock. So they played with Howard. So we were already kind of there. So we got to go to the serious welcoming party and I was hanging out with all the Wack Packers and, you know, got to see Martha Stewart and Cheryl Crow. And <laughs> it was different but cool. So Howard Stern, long. Geez, what a story. Hi. Two more. Um, Jesus. Howard Stern. I don't really know who's influenced my life much more than people I come across. I don't know, like, I'd, honestly, if I could lump our fans into one person, they've kind of helped me shape into where I am, but I'm just, i was I, that's probably why I'm so awkward with people is I'm just kind of me. I don't really know how to relate until, until we get to talk and I haven't really had much influence. You know, I mean, there's just the influence of like, you know, whoever got me into drumming like that I was drumming to, which I wouldn't remember. I was so young. I was just playing along, but you know, and then
3: mom bought that kit though, you know?
4: Well, yeah. Oh shit. How did I leave her out of this? She's, she's before Howard Stern. Jesus. She's the, the first one that was okay with my weird sense of humor and kind of following my dreams. I mean, she paid for the hockey and paid for the drum kit and guitar and everything. Um, so yeah, I mean she's the one that would go get frostbite at six AM at an outdoor rink and you know, tie my skates for me. <laughs> but she's also the one she never once was like, You need to do better in school and you need you know, you know, she just wanted me to be happy and so she knew that I could end up making it work and hockey didn't work out, so luckily this one did.
3: <laughs> yeah, good stuff, man.
4: So my mom and Howard Stern, I'm good there.
3: <laughs> All right. And then um uh, any organizations or causes that you uh, support and encourage others to check out?
4: Uh, well, there's a lot, um, not just stuff. I, I've been involved in some of the, the you know, the veteran stuff. Um, my job that I recently quit after eight years, we worked with brain injuries and uh, mental health. So I think both topics whether it's you know brain injuries or mental health are very very serious and it's kind of tough to watch because the place i worked uh it was a brain injury place so i got to you know work with a lot of veterans and professional athletes that you know ended up with trauma Um, but our local governor It was weird because anyone that had the issue of the brain injury, if it was like a car or whatever, the insurance paid for it. It wasn't just like, okay, we cover your bills. It was like, you know, you're good. You know, you need a place to live. You need support. We got you. But a couple years ago, our governor signed off on the no fault, no whatever auto policy. So now we had to switch to CMH because if you get in a car crash and you get messed up, They'll pay for your hospital bills, but you're on your own as far as like where you're living, who's taking care of you, all that. You're on your own. So um, it was just kind of sad to see because a lot of the a lot of the people I've worked with don't have much, you know, they, they're not their own guardians. And a lot of them, they're, you know, just kind of forgotten about by their families. Like, who cares? So that sucks. Um, so I I'd look into anything that can help with uh, brain injuries or mental health and helping them survive. Um, but I'm also an animal guy too. Like, you know, I always, I've rescued animals. I've rescued, you know, pits for a long time. I have rescued cats. Um, and it's not just those two, but I mean, even every time I look at the tiger commercial where it's like tigers, you know, dying off and elephants and whatever. So I'm all for that. But, um, I think the most important to me would be like children's hospitals with like cancer and stuff like that. You got to take care of the kiddos.
3: Yeah. Definitely. I, I, I just had a thought when you were talking about the animals, though. I remember those like infomercials with the Sarah McLaughlin yeah. you know, sad song in the background. And I'm like, maybe that could be one of your next projects. You can write the sad song for one of those animals. <laughs> right. <houses."
2: laughs> right.
4: Well that that's the one thing too is uh when I just brought up the 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 children's hospitals and the um, on one of the news stations, this was a while ago. Um, but the lady had a great point um because you know her child has cancer and a whole bunch of issues at you know one of the children's hospitals and she pointed out that when they show the sarah mclaughlin commercials you know the dogs always look so pathetic and that's probably why it tugs at your heartstrings but she pointed out whenever you see a lot of the saint jude commercials and everything they're showing all the kids like smiling and happy and everything good happens here at this place they're not showing like how sick the kids are and how they need the help too you know they're yeah reaching out for you asking for donations and help to help the kids but they're showing the kids all happy and chipper like uh,
3: like yeah not vomiting and you know yeah. after chemo and all that stuff you know they're real you know maybe show up before how the kid looked you know with their health and full head of hair and then this is what they're struggling with now you know
4: yeah, please help <laughs> yeah yeah
3: uh, I agree. And then um, favorite toy as a child <laughs> on a more cheerier note.
4: <laughs> That's bad. I don't, I, I am a TBI client myself. Like I've had so many concussions and then I've seen so many bad things that I've blocked out a lot of my memories, but um, I probably just, the one thing that jumps out would have to be the original Nintendo like, you know, I wasn't really much of a. I I loved some of my wrestling figures, like especially the good rubber ones back in the day. Um, oh, yeah. So those were my go to with my hands. But uh, I couldn't beat the original Nintendo. You couldn't pry me away from TV for that.
3: Well, you just uh, opened the door for a question I, I uh, haven't got to ask in a while. And, uh, you know, with the with the rubber wrestler, uh, favorite wrestler.
4: Uh my favorite wrestler by far, um especially good old days was Bret Hart when he was a part of the you know with Jim the Amble.
3: Yeah, and the Hart he, Foundation.
4: Yeah, Hart <laughs> Foundation. Bret Hart, like no matter what you think or know about wrestling, like his style of execution and just he knows how to take a hit and he falls like perfectly awkward. And I kinda like the bad guys. So when he was Part of the Heart Foundation, he was by far my favorite wrestler. Like, you know, when he became solo, he was still probably one of my favorites. But, you know, I was already starting to kind of get out of wrestling. Didn't really like him as much as his own. But Bret Hart was my favorite wrestler. And, again, back with the good original wrestling figures, his was the crappiest. Yeah. <laughs> just like this. Yeah, yeah. Couldn't even do any moves with him. He's got, like, one arm down by his side, and the other one was just like up kind like, of oh, great didn't even look like, like he's almost either.
3: like in a bushwhacker pose or some shit right
4: yeah mid yeah but he also like that was another thing too is for some reason uh i love their their get ups with the just the solid one stripe you know whether it was the the teal with the white stripe or black stripe rather or the black ones with the white stripe like i, I love their outfits their singlets and stuff with the pants yeah
3: and we just lost the legend yesterday terry funk you know, oh so. really
4: I didn't know that.
3: Wow. Wow. Shout out to Terry Funk. I'm a big wrestling fan. I still, you know, it's my, my, still my male soap opera, but yeah, I was watching back from WrestleMania two, you know, on, you know, I was uh, at
4: WrestleMania three. Oh yeah. Yeah. There at the
3: Pontiac Silverdome.
4: Yeah. I was there when Andre, Andre got slammed by the Hulkster. I was there. That is awesome. (laughs) Yeah. That was cool.
3: And then, um, any message that you have for our, uh, military, uh, members that are currently serving overseas?
4: Oh, uh, geez. God bless you. Try to stay safe. And man, I wish <laughs> try to manifest that the world gets a little bit better. I mean, we have you guys for a reason and that's our protection. So thank you. But I, you know, I don't want us to go overboard and try starting stuff and put you guys at risk. So just stay safe and thank you so much for your support. And, Hopefully if you get a TBI maybe I'll be back to work and say hey. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean there's nothing I can say cuz their families are so important to them and I mean you guys are just putting yourself ahead of not not putting yourself ahead but you're taking the risk for all of us which is like really cool and that's like one of the things that had I not just been into hockey and uh music. I I probably could have gone that way because I'm a little bit of a sociopath. So I think I might've been decent at it. (laughs) Not much to care about at that point in time. So like, I would have loved uh, to serve our country, but just like I said, I'm a, I want to be lesbian. I identify as a lesbian. I also too identify as a Canadian because I'm a hockey kid. So
3: (laughs) nice. Well, man, Steven, it's been great talking with you. Um, for, any of the fans out there, like, you know, a like, lot of the new kids that might not be familiar with, with Taproot and uh, what you guys are up to and want to check you out if you're coming through their town, uh, where would you send them for all that information?
4: Uh, Probably Taprootofficial.com uh, or officialtaproot.com um, on Instagram. It's officialtaproot or if you just – look up anything taproot on anything social, you're good. Even if you go on Google and just hit taproot and it'll pop up, you know, just depends on what you're looking for. I recommend kind of trying to find some of the new stuff, which you can find links to, um, you know, all our social media platforms. And I don't know, I just check it out. See if you like it, whatever. It's it's out there for you. If you do, if you don't enjoy what you do do.
3: (laughs) Sounds good. Well, man, once again, thanks for your time. I'm glad we were able to make this happen. Hope you uh, have a killer uh, parent-teacher conference tonight. And, uh, thanks. you know, um, before I let you go, can you do one last favor for me? Absolutely. Uh, mind cutting a promo ID for the show? Just introduce yourself, and you're listening to today's Boondoggle?
4: Okay. You Just whenever?
3: Yeah, whenever you're ready. All
4: right. What's up, guys? I'm Steven Richards from Taproot, and I just want to let you know you're listening to one of my favorite podcasts. It is today's Boondoggle. Awesome. (laughs) All right,
3: man. Yeah, good stuff. Thanks again for your time, and I look forward to connecting with you in October when you come through Cleveland.
4: Well, I'll remember you. Okay, well, I'm I'm so sorry I had to keep changing on you. Stupid. No, it's all good, man. I understand. We got it done oh perfect i enjoyed it now thank you so much and i'll see you in what a couple months yep all right well have all a good right, one.
3: all right you too i right, see ya
4: because i don't even
2: know the lyrics to my favorite song every time i sing this song another lyrics to my favorite
4: taproot
0: hey baby this is double d also known as dream daddy and i gotta tell y'all something about our new sponsorship here at today's and the name is dream nutrition so if you're looking to empower your human vitality well then you come to the right place With over 12 years of combined experience in cannabinoids and terpene products, Green nutrition products include CBD oils, patches, protein, and so much more. The endocannabinoid system is believed to have involvement in regulating physiological and cognitive processes, including the immune system, appetite, pain sensation, mood, memory, and in mediating the pharmacological effects of cannabis. Support this veteran-owned and operated company today, and today's Boondoggle fans will receive 10 percent off their orders when using the promo code at That's Boondog10 at checkout. That's B O O N D O G 10 at checkout. So go to the link. That's dreamnutrition.com forward slash discount forward slash boondog 10. And remember, dream is not spelled like dream daddy. It's spelled D R E E M. And start saving today because you deserve to feel your best. And you know that's right. So tell them dream daddy and your brand from today's boondog
2: sent you.
3: www.anchor.fm forward slash today's boondoggle as well as on our GoFundMe and Venmo. Be sure to subscribe, comment, download, and listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spreaker, and all the other podcast platforms out there. Please email us with any questions, suggestions, and comments via todaysboondoggle at gmail.com. Leave us some five-star reviews and help spread the word. Thanks again for listening.
0: Thank you for tuning into this week's Today's Boondoggle. Domain Cleveland Entertainment is a veteran owned and operated cornucopia of nonsensical shenanigans. You can find interesting interviews, music news and information, and just about everything else in between. Thank you again for supporting, sharing, and tuning into today's Boondoggle.